0: what is going on everybody welcome to the blazers edge podcast i am your current host sure we'll go with that temporary host primary question asker i'm not good at this kind of stuff but with uh my former co-host four years terrible on biggs taking a leave from the podcast i'm rotating through some uh, blazers edge uh friendlies i guess we'll call them and uh, you guys should all know uh are one of the editors at blazers edge and one of our leading draft guys steve dewald steve thanks for joining us man
1: I uh, have big shoes to fill, but I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, Team Mom, like, I mean, you get to be more me right now, so the shoes are a lot smaller. <laughs> so I have to sit here and try to do the host thing, which it's actually a lot harder than you think it is. So I decided I was going to do the icebreaker with you, uh, with a, with a, not a, in a question, it was a statement I put out on Twitter earlier. Lettuce does not belong on tacos. Your thoughts? <laughs> no, I'm a cabbage guy, so I, I agree with you. So. Like, there, lettuce belongs in a salad. That's it. There's no place where lettuce is superior to anything else than in a salad. And even then, like you can go spinach, you can go kale, you can go arugula. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like your 12th man.
1: Yeah. This is the 12th man. It's it's a reliable 12th man. It's always- see, I'll even go, I get, I get like the shredded cabbage with the carrot in it too. I just leave the carrot in. I mean, it,
0: like, it's like, come on. L- literally. That's the thing. Like, I, I've had people fire back with, you know, it belongs on tacos. What about Taco Bell? And I'm just like, God, I, I have to remember that I'm actually, uh, as much as I live in Oregon, I'm, I'm not technically an Oregonian. I'm from Southern California where you know, mm. we have real tacos. Um, yes, I'm talking to all of you, and I hope you're very frustrated with my take right now. And you should be ashamed. Take the dirty, filthy, wet, nasty, tasteless lettuce off your tacos. Listen, I get you if you're cilantro, if you're one of those people where cilantro tastes like soap. I, I I get you. But you have other options, right? You have onions. You have peppers. You have cabbage, like you said radish like there's so many other things you can go with like you could even go spinach and i wouldn't be mad at you i would just be like that's a little different but whatever it's a little like i guess like a greek flavor i guess that it becomes less taco and more uh <laughs> euro <laughs> euro but yeah. like even then all right I, 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 I can go with that i'm i'll even go as so far as to say that lettuce is a worse taco topping than ketchup and ketchup is disgusting <sighs> on a taco. i don't I, that's a bridge too far
1: just i can't can't do ketchup come on man just because lebron did it doesn't mean i mean do it i grew up on white people tacos in eastern oregon so i had a lot of lettuce (laughs) but we never we never put ketchup on in on our tacos
0: listen that's the thing is like i can excuse the fact that a lot of people in the northwest have gringo tacos Mm -hmm. like that's that's kind of the thing but when we're talking like making real tacos lettuce is completely and totally unacceptable just flat out no ifs ands buts about it and then everybody out there who thinks otherwise guess what there are people who think that lettuce doesn't belong on tacos and then there are people who are wrong so you can be in one group or the other yeah yeah. <laughs> with that so we're doing this on sunday night and i guess what's the date now 24th i lose track of these what
1: are we date? Yep, yeah it's five is it even whatever is it even the weekend I yeah don't know. no. It,
0: it all blends together i just wake up i'm like am i supposed to go to work today
1: I think I am maybe
0: Hmm, shrug. Um, But unless something happens, that's just wildly out of place. The NBA season is going to resume here probably in 60 ish days, Mm -hmm. 45. If we're talking about guys coming back and getting ready and stuff like that, what, what's your primary thought on the entirety
1: of it? And then we'll kind of work through it step-by-step. I I think it just really, uh, Dave touched on it a little bit this week on the site, but it's just kind of a necessary evil. And I think we should just call it what it is. It's this is not for, there's no perfect way to do this. There's no completely safe way to do this, no matter the ways you approach it. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is this league and the players, especially the top tier players are facing when their salaries are tied directly to the cap, When they're facing a financial crunch that we've never seen. This is way different than just a lockout or a labor dispute. This is something the league has never been able to prepare for. And there, there just has to be some form of basketball. And if there's not, you're looking at a a problem that could last up to five years. This isn't just like a, a simple one, one off. Like you're talking about cap damage that lasts five, six years. Now, granted, that's on one side that's still sports. And then on the other, you're talking about player safety, the the safety of coaches, people who are over 50 in this league that mm-hmm. will be inside the bubble that is proposed. So that's those are the issues that we're gonna have to evaluate. So I'm with you
0: in the sense of like the safety obviously is primary, but the the money implications for let me just kind of put it in dollar and cents for, for folks. I know people are like, well, they have so much money to begin with, da, da, da that it's a scale. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you're doing. When 25% of your salary is just poof and you planned on it being there, I don't care how much money you had. You probably have investments. You probably have things that you're working on. And if all of a sudden, 25% of your salary is gone, and we're talking about the immediacy of this year, that alone is enough for you to go, I'm sorry, what? You know, just kind of perk up and be like, we need to figure out something here. Then you talk about the implications. We're talking, like you, like you mentioned, like five years out, and when we saw what happened in 2016 with a cap spike, now think of the inverse of that, where you could see a massive slash to kind of straighten things out and righten the ship. And when you're looking at it from that sense, and this isn't to discount the the, the safety or um, the what is you know quote unquote right. But when you're looking at it from that standpoint, especially a bunch of dudes who are, what, 21 to 28 years old who have a different outlook on life, who who have been treated and looked at as invincible pretty much their entire lives, I can be like, yeah, no, I get it. I I don't don't have to say that I agree or I don't agree, but I at least understand where they're coming from, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean also you're talking about a 25% cut in – professional athletes work differently than most of us in most of our careers. We, I, we are all working to our most profitable years. Most likely our most profitable years are going to be later in our lives. These guys have, they have to maximize their earning right now. And when you're taking a 25% cut, and I mean, if you're a guy on, you know, a minimum contract, you take that 25% off and you're a guy who might only be in the league for three years. I mean, that's, that's, devastating for the
0: impact 5 10 yeah. 15 20 years like the yeah. whole idea of your money working for you mm-hmm. like the exponential factor that hits and i know that this whole like crying over spilled milk when we're talking about millionaires being cut millions it it matters it matters to these dudes i mean like I, i'm it's, it's it's the whole thing you and i have talked about this a million times you and i are both on the same boat in this we are both team get the bag it mm-hmm. is incumbent Absolutely. on the player to get as much money as they can when they can get it. It's up to ownership and, and general managers and such to manage the financial responsibilities of, of an organization. It is not the player's job ever, mm-hmm. ever, 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 ever. Yeah. So if their union has come together and they accept the proposal,
1: then go with God. That, yep. that's, that's kind of where I'm sitting on it, right? And and uh, yeah, I just want to be very clear. Like, this is not me advocating that this is the best and safest way to do it. But these people have to, I mean, their union, their league, their representatives have to do what's best for them and their clients. And and if this is what they decided it's on and there's a vote, that's what you need to do. But also, the, the thing that does concern me is not necessarily the players, but it's the it's their families if they're allowed into the bubble. Yeah. And then it's also the coaches or staff members that are, you know, in an at risk range. Like those are the people that they're gonna have to be extra careful about. And I mean we can tie that back. How old is Terry Stotz? He's like, mid
0: sixties. yeah I believe he's sixty two, if I'm not mistaken. So, Give him a couple more years. <laughs> but no no, I mean Yeah. But I mean he's we don't know about any underlying health conditions and coach dots. If you're hearing this, I hope you're doing well. Uh, uh, we, we love you. Some, we love us and Terry. So, uh, but like, that's something you have to remember. Like, you you look around the organization and I mean, there's, there's people who've been with the organization. How old is Jeff Clark? I feel like Jeff Clark has been the trainer of the blazers my, my entire life. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, again, I'm kind of talking sideways right now, but we love it, Jeff. Um, but like, do we, you know, what position are they being put in? And that's not a question that I'm prepared to answer, nor am I going to try to take that on because I don't have the answers that I don't think anybody really does, but there are certainly people out there who have better answers than I do. Right.
1: Yeah. And I I think this league has always been one who has not shied away from innovation. And I think whatever they have to do, as far as if it's coaching away from the court and there's, I mean you have a screen or a surface set up there that is giving real-time instruction. Like that's something that the league should look into. Shut like, up Microsoft surface. Well, Hey, I believe they are the, are they the sponsor? They are the ones? official. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. You gotta be on brand. We're yeah. trying to get sponsored. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I mean, I, I always say, have you seen that, that I can I think it's track phone. I'm mean, like, I'm sitting here just dropping company names like for free right now. <laughs> I need to learn, but have you seen that commercial where that, that dude's like rolling around in the big box? It's a video screen of him like on the street. It's like a giant track phone. It's like, a video screen of him talking to people on the street. I feel like we can get one of those yeah. for, for coach Stotts. That way he can, that way the officials can still get the face yeah, when, yeah. Uh, when he's irritated with them. Um, But let's kind of get into the meat of this because uh, Shams got a hold of the GM survey that was sent out on Friday. And there are a litany of questions that went out to GMs and they want to know. And I think this kind of goes, I think this is the more formal and official version of the uh, thumbs up, thumb down text message that went out Mm -hmm. to uh, players that, you know, that happened. And then people got word about it and like, no, that never happened. (laughs) Come on, guys. Be better about this, um, but so the the process. It, let's let's do this. You actually wrote it up, so go ahead and outline kind of what that process looked like in general, as far as what we were what they're debating or what they're kind of trying to come to grips with as far as some general stuff, I'll I'll kind of throw this, these ones out here. It was what a 72 or a 76 game season, which is different from the 70 that we originally heard proposed, which like, I guess we can just kind of tackle that one real quick. That at least for me, that gives Portland a little bit more room either way, 72 or 76 right now, they're three and a half behind Memphis. They would only have four games to catch them. If it went to six or even what, uh, 10 games so that would be the option six or 10 yeah uh, that's a little more I mean especially 10 games if it went to 10 games three and a half is not impossible it's not easy but that's certainly you could talk yourself into that with the return of use of Nurkic possibly the return of Zach Collins I we, we haven't got an official statement about
1: his status his health anything under that what what, what is your, what is your take on the the 72 76 proposal Well, I mean, also you left off Carmelo Anthony. He's proven he's the ultimate come off the couch, ready to play player this year. (laughs) Come on now. This this is true. But I think uh, you're looking at that season length. I think you're looking at another question that was on there is how many teams, I mean, everybody's assuming that every team is going to be returning, but that was another question that was on there between 18 to 24 teams. There was a window in there and how many teams they would bring back. Um, Obviously if they're going to bring every team back, you're already doing that. So you might as well make it worth it for the teams that are right on the bubble to give them enough games to mm-hmm. play their way in. I mean, don't bring them down there and give them zero margin for error to, to catch up in the playoff race. If, if that's what you're going to do, if you're going to yeah. commit them to that. Um, and then also, I mean, it, the, the things that seem unanimous are is the up to the league. It sounds like it'll be two weeks of practice in Portland or mm-hmm. in the team's local market. And then they'll have a two week ramp up. Once they get in Orlando,
0: it's basically a, 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 Hey, here's the flare going up the sky. That, that, that's the message to all the players right now. Start getting ready. Mm. Like you've got basically a month now to get your body right before you've got to get back into full, full shape. Like, well, are, are, cause there's, there's plenty of guys right out right now. And this may surprise some folks uh, that uh, this, the day the, the season ended basically or shut down, they, they went into full off season mode and so yeah. there there are plenty of guys around the league who need to who need to get right before they can get into basketball shape again
1: and it's really it's like when you're looking at it like that you might look at it, teams that are having have guys like Yusuf Nurkic or Zach Collins where they're nearing the end of their injury re- rehabilitation mm-hmm. where they're already on a schedule so those guys i mean they never stopped yeah exactly so
0: and that, that that may be something that people don't know is that even when the season was shut down uh, Nurk hood and Collins were still going to the practice facility. They were actually cleared. And I believe that was a league wide thing where if you were under a injury protocol, they were just letting the guys in one at a time and basically working one-on-one with the, or supervised by one of the trainers or medical staff. So those guys have, have been working out throughout this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if anything, they're probably in, in a better place. I mean, everybody, but hood, but, um, that's that's kind of the, the deal here, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if if a uh, potential Ray Felton appears anywhere
1: <laughs> around the league. Well, yeah, there's going to be, you know, the Sean Kemps or the Ray Feltons of the world mm-hmm. that have have enjoyed quarantine a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think the other, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things in that GM survey as far as, uh, and it's, it's something that's talked about all the time as far mm-hmm. as the potential conclusion dates. And right yeah, now this is a wide range. Yeah. According to this, the GM survey those dates range from September 7th to November 1st. And I think if you're looking at November 1st, I think you're, you're probably looking at a league that is going to permanently shift its schedule. percent,
0: hundred percent. It'll be a week before Christmas. Mm-hmm. It, like it'll be the, the preview special will be like December 20th. And then like to get a, a couple marquee games and then Christmas day will be the major major you'll have like one semi-marquee game kind of like the nfl does it you'll have that one like marquee-ish game to open the season and then christmas day you'll have five six full slate of just what should be on paper
1: monster mashup uh, matchups and then that'll be kind of how they roll it out at least in my mind yeah and i think that's it's going to be a permanent shift like that i I think going forward i think it's something the league has always want to do is you know really clear themselves from the footprint or the shadow of the nfl and really just get in that sweet spot as far as that. And then really just try to capitalize on, you know, a softer baseball schedule in the summer. So how,
0: uh, how, if you had to put a, a percentage on it, how likely do you think they are going to go to, to a around Christmas start?
1: I would say I'm, I'm probably about 75% on yeah, that. That's it's kind of where I'm I feel. Too. Um, The other thing too is, they're they're talking about for this year depending on what playoff options they roll with they're they're talking about potentially something the league has flirted with in the past or in the last couple of years as far as reseeding all the playoff teams mm-hmm. and it, obviously it's much less of an issue if you're at a central location to reseed everyone because east west doesn't Traveling really matter that. at that point so that that's something i that could be would be super interesting and i mean I think that I think we both agree that this season, if there is a champion and everything goes and the schedule plays out, this is going to have an asterisk attached to it. So
0: I think yes. And I think yes. And no, it depends on if the playoff format is a full seven, 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 like if it's a, if it's a full, and especially if they get to 76 games mm. at that point, you're like, I mean, we're already past a strike short in season as far yeah. as like uh, length of season. So uh, it's hard for me to do that in, in one sense, but I get where some people are coming from. The thing about it is, this is what kind of is my toss up. A team like the Lakers, who, you know, they were certainly a, a title contender, they're old as hell. Mm-hmm. How easy is it going to be for them to get out of complete stoppage to get, get going? And we had Keith on from Pass Pick Breakfast, you know, they're, they're Memphis guys. That Memphis team's like 21 years old, they wake up ready. Yeah. Like, well, let's say Memphis does make it in Portland. Doesn't and Memphis is just geared up, ready to go. And somehow some way they, they get the Lakers. Like, I'm not saying it's happened. Not, I say it's a very, like a near, near impossibility, but like, what if that were the case, you'd have people screaming for Aster's Then,
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I think the counter to that is though, is you have a Lakers team that is filled with grown men who have been preparing themselves for professional play their entire lives and, or, the last 10 years. So, I mean, if there's guys that know where their body needs to be before that type of competition, it's probably a team like the Lakers. The, the team I wonder about is kind of the Bucks. as far as that was a team that was rolling. Yeah. And then you have, and then you just stall it out and that it'll be interesting to see how that team starts up again. And then obviously if it's, if it's some weird play-in situation where you're gonna Perfect. make everybody eligible, it's I mean, you gotta talk about Golden State in as far as Yeah, that Steph
0: and Clay both being back would be yeah. uh yeah, that's kind of a kind of a problem. Let's talk about the play-in format because that obviously impacts Portland. There's a couple different versions of this. The toss it all up and let it roll, which we kind of saw Nurk talk about on Twitter the other night, uh, you know, see what happens. Or what was it? Uh like a bubble plan for the yeah. seventh and eighth seeds. So I mean, I, there's pl- there, there, it feels like this one is a hard split on where people fall. Uh, the NCAA tournament style, you know, just like full on, let's go, and which w- th- it'd be must
1: see. Like if you watched, mm-hmm. uh, did you watch any of the match today? I watched the first nine holes, and then I've been assembling a, a playhouse for my <laughs> daughter that has <laughs> consumed all of my weekend time. That, so. That'll happen, but. The uniqueness of that and how
0: we probably won't ever see anything like that, or we hadn't really seen anything like that. I know they tried that pay-per-view one in Vegas, but this was different, right? Like uh, yeah. the, the way they went about everything. I think if they did a play in style tournament, just this once, it would be a once in a lifetime type, holy crap situation. Mm-hmm. Like it would it, it have, it have the opportunity to just completely destroy everything as far as like what expectations are because basketball i think a lot like uh like hockey well hockey's kind of a bad example too because you can get a hot goalie Mm. basketball is how often do we get a real upset like a no bs absolute upset over seven games the better team wins
1: yeah it's just how it goes
0: but in a one game format quite literally anything can happen and I think the, I, the idea and allure of that would be insane.
1: Right. Yep. And that's why I, I think, I don't think you should open up the entire league to that, but like, I'm more, I'm more into the, the bubble style because if there's our teams on the playoff bubble, yeah, there's so, so, ma- so, like so many, use, so many uses of bubble now, but um, they, uh, I, I think for me, it's like, I really, I mean, Damien Lillard is the captain of Clutch right now, mm-hmm. and it would just be awesome to see him play in that type of situation, especially against the teams that are right around that Western Conference playoff bubble.
0: The NCAA but, tournament run, uh, Clutch factor taking over. The yeah. uh, was it Kemba at UConn when he went nuts? Steph oh. at at Davidson, like you could have him. Like just imagine if what remember what we saw from Damon in, in uh, January. Mm-hmm. What if Nuclear Dame came back? Like that's, that's legit. Like you have Nurk healthy and you've got real big bodies. Let's say Nurk and Zach are back and you get nuclear Dame.
1: You could, you could talk yourself into a Western conference finals run. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's, it's a lot to get those guys going on the fly, but we, I mean, I'm, I'm this, just saying like from a talent level, you probably yes. have a team that is more talented than the team that went to the Western conference finals last year. I mean, it's tough without hood, but it, I mean, it is we're talking pie in the sky, but like yeah. we've seen from Damian
0: Lillard, I, I've gotten to the point where I've stopped and like, I don't know if he's going to be this, that, or the other. I'm just like, the, the dude can do anything. Like I, I, if you say Damian Lowe is a top five player in the NBA, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look sideways at you. I'm just going to go, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I get it. I've got him like seven or eight, but sure. Yeah, it's fine. Like I'm, I'm at that level with him. And he's the kind of guy where he can legitimately just take over a six week stretch where he averages, what was it? 40, 10 and five. Yeah. Not, not, a, not a night, not a week, not a, two weeks, a, a month and a half of just absolute superlative-laden just disaster on opponents. And who's to say that they're a, a, a young kid, like Zion, let, let, when, he went, when, when this all stopped, he was, what, 26 and 17?
1: Yeah, he's just hitting a stride.
0: Like, nobody, nobody had solved that riddle yet. Like, who's to say that a, a, a young team like that, with him, B.I., Giroux, couldn't just all of a sudden get dumb hot and make something happen?
1: Mm. yeah i i just i think i'm gonna look more towards the veteran teams with oh, sure. just because there's no fun but in that. yeah but like you said there's there's the, <laughs> there are those young teams i mean even a team like dallas with some of the young pieces they have there and, and lucas used to different playoff formats and different playing styles yeah so I, I think that's a team that would be very interesting to watch when this all gets rolling So I think the one thing we're looking at
0: this here right now, at least as it pertains to Portland is they're not done Mm -mm. because they're so close because they're only three and a half back. The likelihood of them being one of the teams included in this, because number one, they're a small market team and Jody Allen is not, and this isn't like scare anybody. She's not Paul Allen and the pockets are a little bit different. So they probably want to try to recoup as much money as they can. Right. Mm-hmm. when you look at that and you're talking about tv deals and all that kind of stuff yes i'm employed by nbc sports northwest and there's there's your disclaimer um i want to get back to work too um but there's there's responsibilities to the rsn's there's responsibilities to sponsors for both the league and in local markets like they want to find ways to recoup that and i don't see portland as a team that we that would willingly accept the whole, yeah, you're not coming to Orlando or you're not coming to yeah. Vegas, right?
1: Yeah, if the, if the league's starting up, they're, gonna, they're going to push for it probably as one of the hardest teams that's going to push for it. And then also pushing for a schedule that allows them to make up ground in the playoff race. Yeah, that 10-game that format
0: would be optimal for them. Right. I mean, give him mm. a few games to kind of get ramped up. You get to see what you get in NERC. I mean, maybe Sam Bozak. And then, I mean, you're, you're healthier than you've been pretty much at any point in the season, which is kind of crazy to think about, really. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it, bottom line, you've got basketball returning. Portland is likely involved. Yusuf Nurkic is, again, barring a just ridiculous thing happening, is playing. And I still don't know what to make up all of it, mm-hmm.
1: right? Well, yeah, it's... I, I think that too, and I think just from a, a next season standpoint, and granted now we don't know what the cap numbers are going to look like, but there's a lot yeah. from this, this stretch right here, even if it doesn't involve the playoffs, even if it involves 10 games, there's a lot here that Portland can learn from as far as if Nurk is healthy, what does it look like when Yusuf Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside are healthy at the same time? And not necessarily on the court at the same time. But like, that would be—I I, knew immediately where I was going. Like, oh, I, I'm very outspoken along with you as far as how I think that would play out. Yeah, but I think you're, you're going to get to see—you know—money where the money where people's mouths are. Can people accept a smaller role? And then also, I mean, it's basically the same thing for Carmelo. Is what would Carmelo look like if he's playing less of a role? Or you know, God forbid Zach Collins is starting in front of him. Now, granted, yeah. that, that's a stretch because I'm not as optimistic I, about Zach being back and ready to go. But, and then also you just got to kind of see, you know, what, tre- what Trevor Reza looks like after a stop and a start, because now all of a sudden, potentially looking at a different cap situation and something that Nate talked about a little bit, mm-hmm. suddenly that $10 million looks a lot different than being able to cut bait and get out at $2 million. Yes, yeah,
0: that's so, $2 million could be a huge. Yeah. Like yeah. let's not get too much into nitty gritty right now, yeah. but like the whole idea of the salary cap, and we've alerted to this over the last couple of weeks, the impact that this could have on Portland, particularly because of where they are uh, with salary commitments, because dames tied to the cap and CJ McCollum is not, um, could be massive. Uh, and then you're talking about filling out the rest of the roster still with decisions to make or a, a decision to make on Zach Collins on what you want to do there. And the number now for what it could be for Hassan Whiteside and the return of Carmelo Anthony, or does he go to New York, Rodney Hood's return. Like there are so many things that are happening for Portland, particularly that probably most, if not no other team in the league is going to experience because they're in that in-between spot and they have so many financial questions. Mm -hmm. Like you look at a team like golden state, they're, they're under wraps. Like everybody's taken care of. Like they're looking at drafting like James Wiseman or, you know, Anthony Edwards They're that's, that's their choice. Like that. And they're stumbling into another one of those picks. Like, it's, like oh. it's, it's ridiculous how well it's worked out for them. You look at every other team that's supposedly upper echelon. The Bucks, they're taken care of. They still have got Giannis for another year. Uh, Middleton's deal is taken care of. Bledsoe's deal is taken care of. Um, the Mavericks, they're going to have a nice cap situation when everything kind of uh, unfolds. They've still got Luka for two more years. Uh, the Hawks, I mean, you, you look at all these teams, the, the Pelicans, all of these teams that are either the, the up-and-coming, like on the upward trajectory or title contending, the Celtics. They've got everybody on on, on the books. They or their their contracts are already taken care of. Um, the 76ers, I mean, I mean he, you you just you name every competitive team right now. They're all taken care of.
1: I mean, I mean, I'd add the Lakers to that list too, as well. I mean, before they commit the money to Anthony Davis, but I mean, getting back just Blazers focus. I mean, I grant I don't want to get too into the nitty gritty, but like the big argument for the Hassan Whiteside re-signing is you have his bird rights. You have to use them. Yep. Because, you know, that's how you protect the asset. But just dumping $15 million into a questionable fit at center and 15 million might be optimistic per year. You know, you don't know what yeah. Hassan expects on the open market and we don't know what that open market's going to be, but now it gets more into, you know, can you in this new reality where they could be well over the luxury cap? You they know, could be they, be, they could be legitimately hitting the hard cap. Yeah. And, and, can you, can you just resign somebody to resign someone to preserve a, an asset? Like, I, I don't know if that's going to be a reality of the places you're going to be living in
0: yeah, that, that, that flexibility or, or the willingness to be able to do something just because it's what's uh roster wise prudent may not actually be financially applicable or possible. That, that, that's, that's a scary thing to consider. Like what you need to be doing, you literally cannot do. And it's not a fact of like, you've got a cheap owner.
1: It's mm. forbidden by the CBA.
0: like that's the that's the kind of territory that they're approaching
1: that's how tight things could be i would assume that the union and the league are going to work closely on caps moving and all that to to make this not just absolutely devastating but still like these are all unknowns as of right now speaking of unknowns let's get to everybody's favorite part of this the draft
0: oh You, you you posted your big board today and uh I've, I've been following, I mean, not just you, but I mean, everybody as far as where they are. And the one thing
1: that everybody knows is that nobody knows a damn thing. (laughs) I I mean, this is like, I had every intention of having a 50 player big board from the start, but I don't think I have spent more time on the top five players and trying to order them than in any other, ever since I've been doing draft analysis, like the, these guys, it is really just a pick your poison eye of the beholder type situation. The one thing I do know, and I've talked to you about this is guaranteed. There's someone, maybe two guys in the top five that are going to get executives fired because there are some, there are guys that could flame out in spectacular. (coughs) Well, that's, that's the main one that I'm thinking of, but the,
0: the, and the thing is, I'm not poo-pooing this draft. There Mm. are plenty of good players But the fact is, you are always going to be tied to your draft position. That's just the reality of it. Whether you want to accept that or not, that is what makes executives look good. Like You want to talk about Neil Olshay's resume. What makes Neil Olshay look good all the time is that he drafted Damian Lillard when other teams passed on him. He drafted CJ McCollum when other teams passed on him. He drafted Alan Crabb in the second round. And uh, listen, I get it. It's Alan Crabb, the contract. He's a, for a second round pick, that's good. Pat Connaughton, good. You just go down the list. Mm-hmm. He's done well with just about every asset he was given and made it come due. Gary Trent Jr. is another one. I would say Anthony Simons has the potential to be another
1: one of those guys. Well, and year Little is, is Nas, early, early right now, but yeah. I mean,
0: again, Nas was a guy the players had much higher on their board than where they picked him. That's, that's mm-hmm. how I'll, I'll, I'll caveat that. So when he was there, they were going to go another way. And then when they saw he was still available, they're like, we have this guy like a lot higher on our board. Let's, let's go ahead and draft him. Mm. Uh, let's see what we can find in him and in that the blazers have done b plus i think a minus draft work over the entirety of olshay's time in portland there's been a couple i've been like "Ah, that and again not necessarily the player but just where they were picked
1: and so or the player that was picked directly after that player
0: (laughs) yeah nothing nothing along those lines whatsoever
1: uh but the this is where Portland has, has built their franchise. Mm. I mean, to put this in perspective, like, and I say this is really hard to pick a top guy. It doesn't mean that I don't like this draft. If no. I'm picking number one, I don't like this draft. If I'm picking number four or five, I love this draft because most likely someone has made a mistake <laughs> in front and, of you and someone is going, someone is going to fall to me. Just and,
0: pray the Kings are in front of you. Cause they'll always yeah. make it for you.
1: <laughs> and so, and then, but also there's a range between, you know, six to 12, that I really like. And that I think there's a, there's probably a player in there that could very easily end up where Portland could be picking. And that, that is very interesting with this draft class. But as far as picking like a top tier blue chip guy, like there's just not a guy you can say, I'm going to take this guy and he's going to be eight all stars no matter what lock. He's going to play for Terry
0: Stotts right now yeah like that's 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 <laughs> yeah. the bar we really need to look at because how many that guys is- did you look at right now and be like terry stotts would play him as a rookie if everybody's healthy and that yeah. list goes whoop real yeah. quick
1: it gets real small in a real hurry
0: so let's talk about draft range real quick we were talking about this beforehand the the way things shape out with records if you're talking about 10 games like the highest lowest like you weren't we're not doing this mathematically of like if they went 0 and 10 or 10 and 0 and then every permutation yeah. of every team realistically is between 10 and 16. Mm-hmm. 10 at the best quote unquote best draft position, meaning the Blazers did the worst they could do there. 16 being the worst draft position and the best they could do during the, the, the season and in, in getting into the playoffs. Yeah. Who are the guys? First of all, we'll talk about fit next. Who are the guys that you were looking at that are going to be available for Portland between 10 and 16?
1: I think you're going to have, I think for Portland, obviously you're looking at wing positions and forwards and because the backcourt's basically set, you have too many big guys right now. If everybody's healthy. So I think you have a sharpshooter and Aaron Naismith that could fall, but it seems like some evaluators just really love him. Um, he is a Vanderbilt guy. He played a short amount this season. He had a he injury. Was it 13? I think he he only made it one or two games inside SEC play. So So, so
0: yeah, about like 10, 10,
1: 12 games. So, but I mean, unbelievable three-point shooter. And then the other guy that I really am interested in for Portland is Satic Bay. And he is a Villanova guy. And when you talk about a list of guys that could play for Terry Stotts as a rookie, I think he is a guy that kind of fits that mold. He's shown that he can, he can blend into a team system in Villanova as a freshman, and then he can carry more of a load as a, as he did in the second year. The thing about him, too, though, is he's so effective without the ball. Like you, you do not need to run a play to him, and that's something that is super valuable, especially if the Blazers are looking for a plug and play option. Now, granted, the Blazers really haven't gone that way. Like they've, I mean, it's hard to really judge, like you said, with how little fell to them, but. Well Shea tends to just really swing for the fences here, but you know the reality of the free agency landscape and what the cap is available to them the
0: wings are trash
1: you could really <laughs> you could really look to go and get a rookie that could give you ten minutes a night, and that yeah. could be a game changer for a team that's you know looking to be much more competitive than they currently sit right now,
0: yeah, and we still don't know, and we have off the record I've heard from hood that you know that he thinks he'll be ready to go here by late August, but you don't know. It's an Achilles. You don't know what he's going to be. So you need to have hood insurance. And that's not just 35 year old Trevor Ariza. And that's not second year Nasir Little. Like you need to have some viable options. Like heaven forbid something else happens to another wing. Like you need, we saw what, what Ariza did and how valuable it was to get like baseline serviceable level production. Everybody was losing their minds. Mm. Like, oh my God, we're getting 12 and 5 from a small Ford on a nightly basis. And that was like earth-shattering. It was like, yeah guys, that's what small forward production actually looks like.
1: Yeah. Um so but for- really, really as far as range goes, I think with this draft and how teams might be looking at it, depending on how hot and cold they are, the Blazers with the second round pick this year actually, they have probably the ammunition and some future assets to move up slightly. If they really love a guy probably at seven or eight, even I like, I really think they could draft anywhere between seven and 20. Like the, any guy that falls in there, I think is right in their wheelhouse. And also has shown that if he's, there's somebody there that he likes, he'll go up and get him. I Mm -hmm. mean,
0: they actually mean everybody knows that they, that they obviously they traded up to get Collins. What people might not know is that they tried to trade up even higher to get that Collins. Yeah. So uh, just keep that in mind when, you, when you're talking about what the Blazers are or aren't willing to do when it comes to getting their guy. Um, I mean, Anthony Simons had a, uh, had a guarantee from a team and the Blazers had to make sure that they got him when they did. Yeah. Um, so they're, the Blazers, when they're, if you're talking about them and who their guys and who they're targeting, they will do what they think is necessary to go get said player unless something radical changes like we saw last last draft with Nasir little. Mm -hmm. So we are we're talking anywhere between, you said seven and 20, but I'm going to try to narrow it down. So you don't have to give the whole board here (laughs) between, between 10 and 16. You had Bay, you had Nesmith. Who do you think let's, let's throw out, let's, let's, I guess let's keep it in the range. Who is the absolute best fit? you know what let's take the range off entirely who is the best fit for this team in the draft
1: I I mean if it was me choosing I would take I would do what I had to do to get Isaac Kikoro on this team as far as what he could bring defensively and you have a guy that you could throw out there at any time and yes his offense is not where it needs to be for an NBA player right now Mm -hmm. but he is a guy who will go out and at least pester a guy as a rookie and we're talking top level wing players and potentially just completely stifle somebody. And I think if you're looking at what you want to do this at this point in the draft and with this team, how it's built right now to bring in a guy who definitely would fit a specific role. He's that guy. And that's what I look to. Now, if you're going to look for like swimming for the fences upside, like there's guys that could fall to them at 14 that I'm not necessarily hot on, but I, they just kind of have those characteristics that I, I see all Shay looking at. And that's like, mm. yes, he's a guard, but RJ Hampton is an interesting guy who is going to slide way down draft boards. Cause but he played he, awful in Australia. He was terrible in Australia, but he, you know, leading up into his pro career in Australia, he had all the he top three, top three yeah. pick played in the form. Exactly. Exactly. So is he going to be a guy like uh, Cliff Alexander or, you know, is he going to be a guy who recovers? You know, you you went Cliff Alexander. That's, that's rough. Well, I mean, he would have been number two pick if he went out straight out of high school. So that's, I mean, it's crazy when you think
0: about it like that, but okay. So we've got wing, 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 wing. There's, there's almost no chance Portland doesn't go with a wing here, right? Like the only, The only way that changes is if we're talking like massive deal Portland. I know I'm going to say it again deals McCollum and somehow gets like a a top pick attached with somebody else. I don't think they would do that. And particularly in this draft, next draft, next draft, they do that. (laughs) But
1: um, they're not, they're not going, they're not going guard. Right. I I don't foresee it. And like, if they do go guard, I guess if I was picking from anybody, anybody in this class, I think it would probably be, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, as far as what, what it would look like next to Dame in the backcourt, as far as a seven foot wingspan, a guy who can create as a primary ball handler, but also as one of the deadliest catch and shoot guards in college basketball last year. So, which I I hear that's actually a pretty good thing to have alongside Damien Lillard. That is a super useful trait
0: in the NBA. So weird, right? Yeah. All right. So, in your mind, you're Neil Shea, you're going into the draft. What is your what is your plan of attack? What are you looking to do? Uh, I'm giving you 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 full control of the franchise. You can deal primary players. You can deal bench players. You can move up. You can move back. What is your your dream scenario for after this season plays out? What does Portland do up to the draft? We're not talking free agency. We'll we'll just go to the
1: draft. I, I think you probably have to probably trim some of the salary, obviously, I think just with how everything's going to be set up. So that's going to make me look at players who have a proven track record, who have at least some skills that you could see on the court playing out as a rookie. And so those are your guys like Obi Toppin, who can, who can play, he can carry a team, he can play multiple position or defensively guard multiple positions or showed willingness to do that. And offensively, he can fill a few different roles. Um, like I said, I've already talked about Okoro. He's a guy who can come in and play defense right away. Um, the guys I'm staying away from are are kind of the Cole Anthony's, LaMelo ball types, like where it's just you really... It does hurt me a little bit for you to lump Cole with LaMelo, just so you know that. Well, I, I certainly... <laughs> I don't know. UNC is so hard. It's where top five prospects go to die recently. So It, it, it
0: is, and... I think Cole has at least a little bit more of an excuse
1: as far as what he was surrounded with. Well, LaMelo's been in a less than ideal situation since his early teenage years. So that we can agree on, but uh, I, I think I'm really looking for those guys. You, I think can, you can feasibly see come in and play and contribute to Damian Lillard's prime. Now, Do I believe that's what O'Shea will do? I'm not necessarily sure. I think Neil O'Shea is going to take the best value at that position regardless of of fit. and, And he's going to make the best deal that has the potential to make, you know, just add to that resume he has of finding these guys at whatever draft slot he's in. Do you think there's any
0: chance that Portland deals out of this draft entirely?
1: I, don't, I just don't think so, just because how free agency is probably going to look. I think this is the best way on a controlled contract to get a guy at a talent level for the money that it's going to cost. So
0: that's, that's kind of
1: where I'm sitting, too. And that's the reason I wanted to ask that is
0: because this draft is looked at as not great, quote-unquote, yeah. right? But if we know the salary cap is going to take a hit, How much more valuable do draft picks in this draft before the cap gets strapped back down and having four years of controlled contracts, how much
1: more valuable does that make a lottery pick? Well, and then also, too, you have to play into that logic of if this is perceived to be a weak class, you know, you're probably have more value. You're not going to have a lot of value with a pick on the trade market. So you might as well try. And like, if there's one thing that Portland has shown that you can trust in is their ability to evaluate the prospects in their draft range and pick the guy who is going to contribute. It might not be right away, but it, you know, within a couple of years, you're going to probably end up with a contributor out of that, out of this draft, that draft position.
0: All right. I'm going to put you on the spot. i want to go back to, to the return of basketball. I'm going to give you the 10 games. Do the Blazers make the playoffs? in a resumed season where they get 10 games three and a half back from Memphis. We don't know what the schedule will look like because we don't know if every team will be in, but the likelihood is they probably play Memphis twice.
1: I, I trust Damian Lillard and I trust, I mean, you have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are two professionals that do their job very well. you have Damian Lillard who thrives, like it's easy to see him thriving in that type of situation. And then also you have Yusuf Nurkic who was denied his return and he is hungry to play. And from everything we've seen from how he looks, I mean, granted, this is just, you know, you're judging by social media and whatever workout video we see, but he looks like he's in excellent shape. He looks like he's confident and he looks like he has a few more wrinkles in his, in his game. Now that I think would be very interesting. And he has a lot to prove. And, I mean, this is a guy who's you know, watched another very high-paid center fill his position all year, and now he's ready to get back and, and get to work. And I will add this to Nurk. Um,
0: he looks lighter, or he looked lighter, I should say, when the season was ending. And his shot looked nice. It, it, I mean, it's no secret. I, got my, I, have my, I have my love-lust for Nurk and his game. But there was a very stinky way of you not giving an answer. Oh,
1: I know what I'm getting at. is <laughs> I, I like those three factors. And, and like I said, I wasn't, I w- i mean, I was half joking, but Carmelo has shown that he can come off the couch and come in. No, it, That's a real so, thing. Like, and so how many guys in the league,
0: I'm going to derail you real quick. How many guys in the league do you think can actually do that?
1: I, I mean, probably like,
0: like legitimately come off the couch and start. It's a very
1: short list. Like at, at thirty-four. <laughs> like I still think in the back of my mind, Tony Allen is somewhere that could come into the league. Oh, he's like, ready. Oh. Ta's <laughs> ready. He, he will lock somebody down for
0: ten minutes. Ta Ta will get out there and, and get after it. He he's yeah. definitely on that list. But, but
1: back on track, I do mm-hmm. like their chances of getting into the playoff format with this team how it is.
0: The the restart, I think, and the obviously the two to three months off when it's all said and done probably closer to four um and getting nurk back it's not just nurk's contribution because he's going to play 15 minutes like that's Mm. they're going to follow the same plan they had he's going to play 15 minutes and they're going to see how he feels and then maybe a week later they ramp him up to 18 and they give him a 20 minute cap but he's not playing a ton of minutes more importantly it's he's their talisman Mm-hmm. Like he is, he is their, There's like as much as Dame is their leader, their spirit animal is Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, he is, he is that dude for them. And I will tell you this: the first play they run when they come back, when Yusuf Nurkic on the floor, I guarantee it will be a Dame Nurk pick and roll. Mm-hmm. I am willing to bet a significant amount of money that that will be what happens.
1: And I, I think more. It's not necessarily Nurk. Is the, I mean, I I can see that, but I think it's the relationship that Nurk and Dame have is really just drives so much of the energy for this team. Yeah. But then outside of Nurse return, I think the other thing we got to think about is this is another three months that Trevor Ariza has had the playbook and had the coaching from the Blazers. He's basically a full year. In and yeah, and you got Carmelo Anthony who's in the same boat, and you know some of these other young guys might be ready to go too. As you know, you have all this time. The with film and playbook and focusing that they could really pay dividends here.
0: Maybe just got to perk up, like oh, right. Ant Ant could be Ant could get back on track.
1: And I I think if there's any player who really wants to come and change the narrative on how things went this season Mm -hmm. and has the talent level to do that in a big way, it's that it's it's Ant. I mean, he has every physical tool. It's it's clear that he was not very happy with how some things were going, and he is a guy who has every skill to get hot and really change the narrative on how some of the some of the season went. Yeah, and Ant will be
0: twenty one in a month. (laughs)
1: for everybody wondering just you know and he'll be playing in his home state you know he'll be he'll be right there in Orlando not not even
0: just home state the home city like it'll it'll be he he probably stays at his parents house in Orlando yeah he's probably in the bubble um but yeah I mean there's so many different things that could that could go here right like the the different we talk about obviously the top level narratives, Nurk's return, Damian Lillard, Carmelo being that guy, getting other guys more familiar. But we kind of forget sometimes, Gary. What would here's the, here's the downside? What if Gary Trent Jr. isn't as hot as he was? I don't,
1: I don't know. Mean, he's, like, he's, well, he's, I, his, he's, I don't think that'll his, happen. His jump shot's surgical, yeah. like there's nothing hot and cold about his game. Like it's, it's that you're getting the same thing. Every game, every shot. Like that thing is the same. I don't know if you do it, Steve, but I think he's going to be around in the league for at least 10 years. Yeah. I, I think I might've heard that before on a podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's,
0: we'll, we'll hit on this some more over the next couple of weeks, but I just kind of wanted to get some like initial thoughts out there. And the, the whole idea of like who, what, when, where, why, uh, what's going on with the season, What will happen? What could happen? Like we're just starting to get our first answers. The one thing that we know right now, barring COVID-19 just getting rampant again, is that basketball is back. It's going to come back. It's, it's, it's not inevitable, but
1: it's as close as you could probably get right now is that's kind of where at least I'm sitting. Are you sitting in the same place? I, I think so too. And I, and like I said earlier, this is not, I think this league needs to continually evolve how they're going to monitor the safety for their most vulnerable people that are going to be involved in this
0: this is i I wanted to add this tack this on but it feels tacky i guess weird uh, to say after we're talking about safety but i wanted to ask you this do you think that this is the time for the league to try some wild stuff
1: absolutely i mean just just like as long as wild equals like as long as it's in the realm of safety, but like you know i, I think I think now is the time to be innovative because it's the season is already you know so much different than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. now is the time to try now obviously, you don't want to just pile on some stuff, but like as far as fan experience, now is the time to experiment because there is not like going to be an in- up the players Yeah,
0: exactly I, I I get that they don't want the course language. But ESPN just dropped f bomb after f bomb on the, the the Last Dance. Well, and well, let even today,
1: today watching the the golf when they drop out <laughs> the audio, I'm like, no, I want the audio. <laughs> no, yeah,
0: exactly. Like, let me let me hear this. We we had Justin Thomas say to Chuck, "I want, I'd love to see your fat ass dunk a ball right now." And I was
1: like, "Well, oh, we're bringing trash talk back. Okay, let's do this." Well, I think right well it was right before Brady hit like his only good shot of the day. Yeah, yeah, listen, like, I hate the man, but he he hold that. Good lord. Yeah. And I mean, trust me, nobody loved to watch Tom Brady struggle more than this guy right here. Especially today. in so, Florida as a yeah, dolphin. Yeah. I mean he he's had a few stinkers in that state. So <laughs> but I I just he gets in this back and forth with Chuck and then it just drops the audio for like five seconds and I'm like, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Uh, listen, and we, and we keep
0: things pretty pretty PG around here, and that's on mm-hmm. purpose so everybody can enjoy it, kids and everything else. I get a little loose every now and then, but uh, I have FCC standards I have to keep on TV for the most part. Actually, I don't. That's what people don't know is that it's cable, and I can say whatever I want, but my network <laughs> executives get a little mad if that happens. Uh, I have yet to do it, though, so I've gotten close once, really close. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't want to just hear profanity for profanity's sake. I want to hear the trash talk, but more importantly, I want to hear the calls. I want to hear who's talking, why they're talking, what are they talking about, what that communication sounds like. I want to hear the huddle. Like mm. if for everybody that knows, like, or everybody that doesn't know when they mic the coaches, that stuff goes through so many filters and there's only so many things that they're legally allowed contractually to share. Like the closest cool thing we've ever gotten was Greg Popovich's "I want some nasty." That's <laughs> not true. And Stan Van Gundy's form a bleeping wall. Those those are the two things. And I think the the Van Gundy one we accidentally got from the on court cameras, and not the and the huddle one. But I mean, I mean, how great would that be to actually get that stuff? It's not like it's state secret.
1: Well, I mean, if you're if you're going to summer league, you're getting a lot of this, especially on the court. And depending mm-hmm. on where you sit, you're going to get a lot from the huddle too. And I mean, these are guys just entering the league. I can, and it's already interesting. I can only imagine, you know, what it's going to be like when you, for instance, hear what Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook are saying to each other for a full game. Mm-hmm. You know, or you have guys that have a history with each other, call McCollum
0: some... and Evan Fournier.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, probably the most scared I've been in my adult life is was at summer league, and the person like two rows behind me said some very nasty things to Marquise Chris, and Marquise Chris turned. I thought yeah, it I like it, it. And I was like, no, not nope. me. <laughs> no. You you're turning into a snitch real quick, huh? Yeah, and I heard every word that was landed on me intended for that guy. And it was not pleasant. So I can only imagine how exciting it would be in a, in a playoff pressure. Situation. It's, it's kind of
0: funny that you, you remember a son doing that because the trash talk that I remember most from summer league, and we'll kind of get out of here on this, you know where I'm going with this, right? I, I think so. Devin Booker yeah luis montero poor luis he dropped what 18 straight on him after that it was and he not only did he cook him on the floor he verbally assaulted that man for like 10 straight minutes and it was i i I was courtside for that game if you if anybody ever had for whatever reason has the summer league tape from 2016 you will see the look on my face of (laughs) <laughs> For yeah. five straight minutes as Devin Booker cooked the living crap out of Luis Montero on possession after possession and talked more junk than anybody not named Gary Payton. Yeah. It was – I hate to see it happen to a blazer, but it was – I mean yeah. – and I know so many people who would be willingly pay so much money to mm-hmm. get that insight and be that had that feeling of sitting right there. And I yeah. get why the league doesn't want to do it with the whole image thing. But if anything has shown over the last couple of weeks during quarantine, people want real. They want the raw. They want every bit of that.
1: Well, I think there's there's always going to be, I think you cater the the main product to the entire fan Generally, base. Yeah. But, but I mean, let's face it, there's guys in this who, I mean, probably me and you, we came up and we loved those Allen Iverson teams, those 96 to 2004, like the swagger that those teams carried. I yep. mean, that was my bread and butter. So, like, I want, I'm interested in that, like, obviously, and I don't think I'm alone with that. No, so.
0: I think the staggering majority of fans around our age would certainly be interested in that. I'd be willing to bet that that demographic's a lot larger. Mm. Um, We'll get out of here on that. Steve, what are you working on right now, man?
1: Uh, Well, big board is going to, eventually I'm going to get to 50 players, but I think the next kind of series I'll be working on is it looks more and more like that we're going to have basketball here in the next couple of months is probably those looming questions that are waiting for the Blazers. Once, once play resumes,
0: once we understand who, what, when, where, why, yep. and the way they're going to be. I mean, I guess that makes
1: sense. That's allowed. Go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you, man. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Steve D hoops. And I am on Blazers edge more often than not most <coughs> days.
0: More often than not is the correct answer. Cause he mm-hmm. ends up having to edit my stuff when I, Right. Which has been a really long time now. Yeah. Yeah. You're going easy on me. Yeah, I know. But it's I actually am working on something right now. So I'll uh, I guess I'll tease that. I'm looking at a little little breakdown, uh positional uh breakdown and and uh how size and scoring is differentiated. I, I did something like this probably like four or five years ago and it was it was okay done, but uh I've got a little bit more insight as to how to better do that now. So I'll slowly but surely work on that as we get ramped up for the season. Uh, As always, you can find me on social media at Danny Morang, at D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-R-A-N-G. And, well, if Blazers basketball resumes, I'm still contractually obligated and thrilled to do uh, basketball for NBC Sports Northwest on Blazers Outsiders. So following every game, uh, Joe Simmons and I will be there. And I'm assuming Steve's kids will be, too.
1: Yeah, yep. she is ready for bed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I wanted to wrap this up real quick. I mean, this it's not a Zoom quarantine call without a, a puppy, a child, or somebody else walking into
1: the frame. So She is very uh, amped about her playhouse. So she, is, <laughs> she is crashing and burning rapidly after a day outside.
0: Perfect. Uh, well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we'll probably have you back on as we're progressing through candidates here for the uh, co-host slot um but yeah thanks man appreciate you all right i i appreciate you having me on man all right thank you all for listening make sure you rate review surprise some sub, yeah, subscribe because i haven't actually put that little anecdote out there uh that stuff matters so please do that uh and uh we'll catch you guys next week bye